You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome in to a Friday edition of the of Crunch Time on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. We're broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. Brian Brassi is now a New Orleans Saint. As the Saints took him with the 29th overall pick in the NFL draft last night. A draft that was full of absolute insanity and a couple of very head-scratching decisions by teams in the NFL. We'll break down the first round, get you set for the second and third rounds tonight, plus college baseball to preview and much more in our 90-minute show as we get set for LSU Alabama pregame beginning at 5.30. In that one, my producer and co-host is Mr. James Mesh. James, we made it to Friday once again. How the hell are you, sir? Doing all right, Matt. How about you? I'm doing well. Doing well. I know my mocks. My mock did not do well. Oh, your mock suffered poorly. <laughs> your but it, mock draft. At least a lot poorly. of people's mocks also suffered. That's fair. That's fair. So at least I'm not the only one that. Yeah, you're you're not the only dummy. Thanks. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, look, man, these things are hard to predict. You, you you never you never it's like the NCAA tournament. You're never gonna get it right. Um, anybody that tries to to get it right is, I mean, good luck, right? But when you look at this draft, Bryce Young went first. Surprise, surprise. But then the surprises began at number two. A little bit because you heard for the week leading up to the draft that the Texans weren't in love with a quarterback and that CJ Stroud struggled on his testing and blah, blah, blah. And the Texans took him anyway. And good for them because CJ Stroud's going to be a dog in this league. So good for them. So quarterback, quarterback. And then. James, everybody said, okay, what's Arizona going to do? Trade back like a lot of people anticipated. Trade back. However, the trade partner was who was a little bit surprising. Now, I hinted at it a couple of times after seeing it in a mock draft. Like, what kind of world would it be if the Texans traded with Arizona and picked two and three? Well, that's exactly what happened. This world. It, it, it is in this one. So the Houston Texans select C.J. Stroud at two and then turn right around at three and take Will Anderson Jr. Ugh. And ugh. Fantastic. Nick Casero might be. Making moves. Might be a pretty good GM. He might not be half bad. It took a haul to get to b- get back into the top three. It did. 
It, it, it certainly did. But I feel like in the long run, it should it's work gonna out pay for off. them. It's going to pay off long, long term. Indianapolis comes up at four and takes the pick that a lot of people thought that they would. They went with Anthony Richardson. Which I really wondered about because if you look at the last two quarterbacks that they had gone with early in the first round, Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck, those guys were kind of already good to go. You didn't have to worry about production, or not production, but like developing them. Whereas with Anthony Richardson, you're going to have to you're gonna have to do some some of that. So it, it kind of threw me off. I was like, are we sure that they're going to go for that? Because I'm, I'm looking at the history and the last couple of guys that they went with early in the first, they were good to go from day one. But with Anthony, he's going to have to sit at least a little bit. Devin Witherspoon goes five, the corner out of Illinois. Paris Johnson goes six to Arizona, who traded back up with the number 12 pick. They traded with Detroit. Seven, Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech. And then number eight, the Atlanta Falcons selected B. John Robinson out of Texas. Look, B. John Robinson is a great player. And I don't disagree with people when they say that he's going to have a good career in the NFL. I don't necessarily disagree with that. However, Looking at the Atlanta Falcons, I ask why. You had the number three rushing offense in the NFL last year, including a rookie running back in Tyler Algier that ran for over 1,000 yards. Why would you spend a top 10 pick on another running back? Well, he is kind of the guy that a lot of people consider like a top three prospect in the draft. So you getting him at eight, could you not see that as a steal at that point? And also, you say it's one of the best rushing offenses, but wouldn't you rather have like maybe a one-two punch? Because how old is Cordero Patterson? In his early to mid-30s? He he didn't have a lot of tread early on in his career, but you've started to, with the Patriots and other teams and the Falcons, they started to move him at running back. So at that point, would you not want to go get the best prospect and also help that young quarterback if you're the Falcons and be like, look, you didn't show us too too much because you didn't give we didn't put you out there for a whole lot of time. But let's make it as easy as possible for you. You worked a lot in free agency and got a lot of vets on the defensive side. It's gonna take a little bit for them to figure it out and get the chemistry together. But when it comes to the offense, you now have a bunch of young talent with Kyle Pitts. Drake London, Tyler Algier, which you drafted in the fifth round, and now you got Bijan Robinson with an offensive line that you've spent five first round picks on, and you've all extended them. But wouldn't they have been better off getting a receiver? Well, why would you go get a bunch of receivers if you really want to focus on that ground game? Because you already have Tyler Algier. But why not go get one of the top talents? I'd, I, I get it. I'm not I, again. I'm not. You're not. You're not throwing out a. You're not throwing out a bunch of three receiver sets. I'm not disagreeing with you. I just think that if I was the GM of the Atlanta Falcons, that's not the pick that I would have made. Just because I would see the fact that there's other needs that you need to address. Maybe I'm different. I don't know. But anyways, moving on. Jalen Carter goes nine to Philly. 
Darnell Wright, 10 to Chicago. Jameer Gibbs, 12th to Detroit. I thought he would have been more in the 20s. Jameer Gibbs. Look, Jameer Gibbs was is a great running back. Got a lot of but, explosion and Kirk Kirkree plays out of nowhere. But for a position that we have talked about and have thrown terms around like dime a dozen, most replaceable position in the game, two of them got drafted in the top 12? Right. I thought they could have drafted. Ooh. I thought they could have. If they really wanted Jameer, I felt like they could have just drafted him at 18. So it's funny you brought that up. I saw a statistic last night. During the draft, I was scrolling through Twitter. The Detroit Lions had a greater than 99% chance of getting Jameer Gibbs at 18, according to ESPN Analytics. Right. Greater than 99% chance of getting him at 18. And then they had a 96% chance that Jack Campbell, who they drafted at 18, would have been available at 34 tonight. 96%. That's good odds. I would have take I would have taken my bet on that. You know what else would have been really good odds last night? Will Levis had like 0.1% to Oof. to be taken in the like a 0.1% chance that he would not get drafted in the first round. I'm not going to lie. I think the guy's going to be trash in the NFL, but I kind of feel bad for him. I do kind of feel bad for him. I don't. I mean, cuz everybody he, was like, "Oh, he's going to be a top 15 pick, top 15 pick." And that starts to get inside your head a little bit. And then when you're not you kind of get down on you. So I feel bad for the guy. Well, it's it's funny you say that, but he looked pretty unbothered with those three <laughs> all, women next right, to him. All, all, all of his all of his girls, I, I swear, one of them was a sister. They looked alike. They, they were looked, all very close. <laughs> but you know, so I don't I don't know. Lucas Van Ness kind of surprised me. And look, I'm a big fan of Lucas Van Ness. I was surprised he went that early. Well, the range for him it, it was a broad range. You didn't know if exactly if he was going to go to the mid to late twenties. But there were also people having him as high as eight to the Falcons. Right. So I'm not surprised he fell in somewhat of that middle at 13. And it went to a team that, guess what, loves to draft defense in the first round. Kalijah Cansey going to Tampa. <sighs> Look. Vitavea, Kalijah. I hate, I, hate the, I hate the yucks, as Kevin Foote calls them. But good pick. Well done. Good pick. Well done. Get, you know what that means? Either Kyle Trask or Baker Mayfield QB one. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And if, if I'm them, I'm going Kyle Trask. Like let's see what the rookies got. Right. And then it's like if he sucks, you just go back to Baker. Right. 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 You, you have Baker as the fallback. And then player. right after Cancy gets picked, you, you string off four straight wide receivers with Jackson Smith and Jigba, Quentin Johnson, Zay Flowers, and Jordan Addison. Going to the Seahawks, Chargers, Ravens, and Vikings, respectively. The Chargers love drafting tall receivers. They do. Mike, Mike Williams, Williams, Quentin Johnson, and Keenan Allen. Didn't both Mike Williams and Quentin Johnson, didn't they both go to TCU? I want to say Mike Williams went to TCU. I could be off on that, but I think he did. Dalton Kincaid going 25 to Buffalo is nasty. He went to Clemson. That's right. That's right. Never mind. Forget what I said. Never mind. Kind of to but delete no, those last 10 seconds. Dalton Kincaid going to Buffalo is nasty. Because can you imagine Josh Allen having both Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid to throw to? God, that's going to be fantastic football. That really is. That's going to be so good. 
The Cowboys take Mozzie Smith. The Bengals take Miles Murphy out of Clemson. So a couple of guys that the Saints were looking at both off the board. So now what do the Saints do? They take Brian Brissy at 29, a pick that was in the hands of four different NFL franchises. Started with the Niners, moved to Miami, moved to Denver, and then moved to New Orleans. So four different teams had their hands on number 29. And then the Philadelphia Eagles, after drafting Jalen Carter at nine, turned around at number 30 and took Nolan Smith. Now, the reason that I put emphasis on this is that that is now four Georgia defensive players taken in the first two rounds by the Philadelphia Eagles in the last two drafts. Philly just keeps on winning. And for Georgia, that means that in the last three drafts, they have had a first-rounder at every defensive position. You know, we, we joke around that LSU is DBU or starting to become wide receiver U. Starting to become wide receiver U. Georgia's just defense U. That's it's scary. The defense that they play under Kirby Smart is just nasty. We got a great show lined up. Hear from Dennis Allen about Brian Brissy up next, and then a preview of the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers as the number sixth-ranked team in the country heads into Russo Park tonight for a three-game series with the Ragin' Cajuns. We'll do that and more coming up next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The A2 Fay Festival returns to Arnaville this weekend. The festival features carnival rides, food, bingo, and live music, including the Adam Leger Band, Crossfire, and Gino Delafosse and French Rock and Boogie, just to name a few. And in addition to the music and rides, there's the Mayor's Cook-Off Contest that will be held tomorrow, and then Bingo and a Car Show on Sunday. For more information, you can head to www.arnavillecatholic.org. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. 419, almost 420. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, The Game Hotline. 337-706-0111. Brian Brissy is the newest New Orleans Saint after being taken 29th overall last night in the 2023 NFL Draft. He was the nation's top recruit out of high school in 2020 and was a two-time USA Today All-American in high school. Now... In his career at Clemson, he overcame a lot between a torn ACL, a severe case of strep throat, and his sister tragically passing away from brain cancer at the age of 15. Uh, Brian's endured a lot over over the last couple of years. And uh, head coach Dennis Allen last night, after making the pick, gave his thoughts on Brissy coming to New Orleans. I think after – look, it did – yeah, it did. Yeah, look, we're 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 excited about uh, the pick. 
Um, took a long time to get there. Uh, look, the first thing I w I'd say is, man, I think our scouting department did a heck of a job in terms of just um, evaluating these players. Um, obviously, we got two more days, but um, you know, this player is is uh, an exceptional talent. He's big. He's physical. He's athletic. Um, fills a position of need, um, and I think he's going to be an outstanding addition to our team. Six five and a half, two hundred and ninety eight pounds are the measurables on Brissy. When you look at some of his strengths and weaknesses, according to the NFL, his NFL comparison, James, you might appreciate this, Grover Stewart. It's been a while since I've heard that name. Grover Stewart was a bully on the defensive line. Says Lance Zerline says he has a broad but athletic build, plays instinctive football, processes blocking schemes, and attacks with smart hands. Plays past his blockers with his eyes and focus. He's a moving target as an interior rusher and a pocket pusher when he gets the jump. And his biggest weakness is his college production just doesn't jump off the page at you. Um, and obviously he, he had some health issues with the ACL tear in 2021. And then in January of 2022 had shoulder surgery. But that's kind of usually how it goes with a defensive tackle and in the interior of the defensive line. You don't necessarily see a whole bunch of sacks, a whole bunch of tackles for loss, a whole bunch of just tackles in general. And then according to his prospect grade, he will eventually be a plus starter in the NFL. I'm not in love with the pick for a couple of reasons. Number one, his, in his injury history concerns me, um, especially after everything the Saints have gone through with Marcus Davenport. The, the injury history concerns me a little bit. Now, if you watch his tape, there's no doubt the guy gets after the quarterback. He disrupts plays. He's strong and physical at the point of attack, and he gets to the quarterback. My other thing, though, would an additional year at Clemson have benefited him, considering he never played a full one at Clemson? I think yes. I mean, we, we are talking about a redshirt sophomore here. Uh, I think another year maybe would have paid dividends for him. But look, I'm a, I'm a Saints fan through and through, so if the pick works, great. Fantastic. I will be a Brian Brissett fan. But right now on paper, James, I don't love the pick. I think it was a good overall pick. A lot of people had him going in the late teens, early 20s. So the fact that you got him at 29, it's pretty good. I can't, I'm on. I'm the, I'm the same way with you. I, we've seen it with Marcus Davenport. We've seen it so far with Peyton Turner. I worry. It's like you grabbed a guy that's missed a good bit of time so far in his career and he hasn't played yet. I know this is probably just me jumping to conclusions and me just having PTSD about knowing you have high stock in defensive linemen. They just are injured a lot. You tearing your ACL and then you somehow having severe strep throat. I know those are injuries and sicknesses that don't pop up too, too often for one person. And then, like it, it's probably just a string of bad luck, but 
I do keep myself on the edge and like I, I'm bracing myself for him only playing like ten games in his first year. And but even then, it's not like you're going to be looking at him to be playing as much as you've seen Cam Jordan like 99% of the time, 95% of the snaps. It's going to be a rotation, especially with him being a rookie, because you're going to look toward to go towards Malcolm Roach as a rotational piece. You're going to look towards Nathan Shepard as well. Like you're you're kind of going to rotate the guys that way they stay fresh and you don't have too too often to run the risk of them more possibly getting injured. Dennis Allen talked last night about what stood out about Brissy on film. Well, look, he's big, he's physical, he's athletic. Um, he's really good on the move. Um, I think he brings some some pass rush ability inside. Um, he's a smart kid. Look, we went and, and, and you know spent a morning with you know spent an evening at dinner with him and several of the Clemson players. Had a great visit at Clemson, um, and 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 then had an opportunity to visit with him uh, the next morning. Put him through a workout at, at his facility. Um, he did outstanding in every aspect of of everything that we we put him through from a physical standpoint from a mental standpoint uh he's the he's the type of person that we want to bring into the building so um i think he's going to be a great addition for us let's go to the game hotline now frank what's going on oh not a lot boys how y'all doing oh absolutely fantastic on a friday sir what you got well look i, I give the i give the draft pick a c minus um we, we, we went through the whole Davenport situation, and we recently got rid of Davenport for the fact that he just never sees the field. And they drafted a guy that is, let's face it, injury prone. I wish or I would have liked to have seen the Saints go with a, a, a stronger free safety slash uh, strong safety pick because the Saints seem to have great corners, but they have no safety presence over the top. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I, I, I like the second half of the year that Tyron Matthew had, um, but, but I agree they could, they could use some help on the strong safety side for sure. Well, I mean, Tyron Matthew, how much tread is left on that tire? Well, that, that, that's the other part of it for sure. You know, so I, I would like to have seen them go younger on safety play because, the, honestly, in my opinion, what I watched, Tyron Matthew played a little bit tentative. He didn't play like the Honey Badger. He played like uh, Pooh Bear. Played like Pooh Bear. That's interesting. Well, I mean, they both like honey. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Saints go w- with some safeties maybe tonight. Um, you know, Joey Joey Porter Jr., although he's a corner, um, he looks like a guy that, that could make somebody very happy. Um, I'm interested to see how long it takes a guy like Keely Ringo to stay on the board, though. Well, the, the main the main thing I'm interested in is, uh, okay, first, the, the talking point is the quarterback they picked up. He has got to pan out. The second talking point has got to be Michael Thomas. Um, if he doesn't touch the field, something's got to give, and the Saints have to be looking at that right now in this draft because, okay, if it's not turf toe, okay, well, well, then what's it going to be next? And, and that's what I'm afraid of. It, it's it, it's 
what's it going to be next? Because these injuries, once they start happening, they just never seem to quit happening. So you've got problems with your over-the-top help at your strong and free safety points. You have a wide receiver who just whatever got paid and started getting injured. And the last thing I'm thinking about, and it really irritates me, and I don't want to use foul language, is Trey Hendrickson. They were willing to pay Michael Thomas, and they were willing to pay Alvin Kamara, but Trey Hendrickson wanted $60 million and they shipped him off to Cincinnati. And that just really bugs me because he had a better rookie year than Cam Jordan. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and he was never injured. Right. The guy played with broken fingers. So. And now he's in Cincinnati uh, playing out of his damn mind. Balling like a baller. Yep. No, I'm with you. I'm with All you. Right, they should have never let him walk. Y'all have a good one, fellas. Appreciate you, Frank. Real quick, looking at a second round mock draft before we take a timeout. So they have the Steelers taking Joey Porter Jr. So James, you'd be half right. Uh, you just got the round wrong. Um, we we take what we can get at this point. <laughs> they've got Carolina getting Bryce Young, a receiver, and Jalen Hyatt. That'd be tough. They've got the Saints taking Osiris Torrance. Wouldn't be mad at it at all. The Titans take Michael Mayer. The Packers take a wide receiver and get Cedric Tillman. Out of Tennessee. Brian Branch goes to Atlanta. Uh, Josh Downs goes to Detroit. Tucker Craft, the tight end from South Dakota State, goes to Miami. Will Levis gets picked at 55 to Detroit. Darnell Washington goes 56th to Jacksonville. Isaiah Foskey, the edge rusher after Notre Dame, out of Notre Dame, goes 55, 59 to Buffalo. Cam Smith finally comes off the board at 60 to Cincinnati, and then Marvin Mims Jr. goes 63 to Kansas City. Tough. It's a tough break, James. Who do they have? Uh, I wonder who they have the Saints getting in 71. Sidney Brown, the safety out of Illinois. I'm okay with that. I like that pick. The Saints need some safety help, like we just talked about. So if they could, that I like that. I'm a fan. Let's take a time out here on Crunch Time. When we return, Joe Catanacci, a.k.a. Joe Katz, the play-by-play voice for Coastal Carolina Baseball. He joins us to talk about the shots of clears as we go behind enemy lines. This is Crunch Time, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, broadcasting live from the Evco Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette. Evco Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. We spent the top of the show talking about the NFL draft and the craziness that unwounded last night in Kansas City. Right now, let's go to the Diamond. The Louisiana Raisin Cajuns hosting the sixth-ranked Coastal Carolina Chanticleers in a series that the Cajuns desperately need to win. Uh, Joe Catanacci, a.k.a. Joe Katz, the play-by-play voice for the Chanticleers, joins us here on the game hotline. Joe, really appreciate you taking the time, man. How are you? 
Hey, doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to a great uh, three-game series coming up uh, starting tonight. So 26-13 and 13 so far on the year, 13-5 and five in the Sun Belt Conference. Like I mentioned, top 10 ranked nationally. Just kind of recap the season to this point so far for, for Gary Gilmore's crew. Yeah, really, uh, going into the year, uh, we knew we had a lot of talent. Uh, it just hadn't been proven. Uh, we've got uh, you know a handful of freshmen that uh, are starting and have been everyday guys since opening day, uh, a mix of um, returners, uh, albeit guys, again, that didn't or necessarily have had a ton of playing time during uh, their experience here at Coastal, and then you mix in the, the portal and the transfers, so kind of a, you know, a mishmash. I wouldn't say it was put together in that sort of fashion, but uh, when you've got guys that, well, we had two, I guess, returning position players from last year. Our entire weekend rotation uh, is no longer with us, and that was the case moving into 2023. Uh, there were a lot of unknowns. Uh, we were able to uh, gain some traction early, obviously, with the lineup. Uh, the numbers uh, you know, have showcased the fact that we've been able to hit the ball all over the place, uh, one through nine, uh, no matter who, who, who is in the batting order. Uh, and, and the pitching has started to uh, you know, pan itself out, I would say, you know, the key for us. And, and any team that wants to play winning baseball is to command the strike zone, and we've struggled at that uh, during portions of the year. Uh, and that's probably been our biggest uh, hiccup and hurdle that we're trying to get over. And I know having you know, been to Lafayette on multiple occasions that uh, the Cajun fan base is always ready to rock and roll. So it's always a good test, especially for a team that hasn't necessarily – uh, dealt with this sort of experience given the hostile crowd and given the fact that we're on the cusp of you know maybe securing a potential not just NCAA regional uh, spot and bid uh, but a potential hosting spot this is uh, you know a destination that's been unknown for these guys so I'm real interested to see how you know we're going to perform and respond uh, to uh, the test coming up this weekend you know you talked about the the offense and it's just absolutely been fantastic and and but when you look at the numbers, you realize just how fantastic it's been. I mean, seven regular players hitting plus 300. Mm. That's that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, really, it starts at the top of the order. Uh, our guy Peyton Eels uh, is our leadoff guy, left-handed hitting second baseman. A kid that was playing Division two baseball uh, until this year. He's a grad student. Uh, we plucked him out of some relatively unknown school out of Ohio at the D2 level, and he's been our table setter. And then as you go down through the lineup, as I kind of mentioned, guys that haven't gotten uh, you know extensive at-bats at the college level, uh, you look at a guy like Derek Bender, who was basically our third catcher last year, um, had to transition to first base. He's been our DH for most of the season, and he's emerged as uh, the top run producer in the, the Sun Belt Conference. And uh, our first baseman, Zach Beach, one of the most fun guys to watch in batting practice, just given his power uh, from the left-handed side, but had never done it, uh, you know, through the course of uh, an, uh, an extended season. Uh, this year, he's got uh, 11 home runs. Uh, our shortstop, Ty Dooley, uh, a guy that was probably penciled in as our backup to begin the year. We had an injury to our freshman. Uh, he's come up with some big hits along the way. Uh, big home run at Old Dominion in the top of the tenth to help us uh, win that series a couple weeks ago on the road. Uh, hit a home run earlier in the year in the seventh against. Uh, top-ranked, uh, two, number two-ranked uh, Wake Forest uh, to, to lift us. So, I mean, pretty much it's come from any and all angles this season. You never know uh, who's going to step up and, and at what time, and I think that's what's exciting about this club. They never feel like uh, they're out of a game until, you know, that 27th out's recorded. You brought up Derek Bender, 14 homers on the year, 61 runs batted in for the Chanticleers. Now, when you look at Coastal 
it, it seems like every season, and maybe not to this extent, but it feels like they can always hit the baseball. What is it about Gary Gilmore's philosophy that makes them so good at the plate every year? Well, you know, Gilly is more of an old-school kind of guy. He's a small ball uh, type uh, coach. Uh, he would like the game uh, to go that sort of way. And when we're able to uh, control the bases, run the bases well, move guys over and play that kind of manufactured baseball that we all kind of, well, at least I grew up on, uh, it's a different game now. And uh, I would credit a ton to uh, his coaching staff. I mean, he's assembled some of the best coaches from across the country, uh, many of whom have played uh, under him over the years, associate coach, Head coach Kevin Schnall is, you know, in charge of the hitters, along with Matt Schilling, who also runs the infield, and you know he's he's giving it to them. Uh, they they do a lot of work, uh, obviously, as every program does uh, throughout each and every season to get their guys ready. Uh, but to an extent, uh, it goes to them, and then the work that the kids put in uh, to be able to uh, produce when they've been called upon. Uh, and you know, everyone refers back, of course, to the run in 2016. Um, that we made, obviously, to the World Series. No one on that team is around anymore. In fact, none of uh, the players on this team have ever been to Lafayette, despite the fact that we've been here a couple times over the course of the last uh, several uh, years since entering the Sun Belt. Uh, a big fact in that 2016 run, well, we yeah, we led the country in home runs that year. We also led the country in sacrifice bunts um, and successful ones at that and uh, bringing runs home after getting guys over and, and then in. And that has been a recipe that uh, is tough to beat when you can hit the long ball at any given time, but you can also you know, kill you by uh, a thousand cuts uh, the way you know, we've been able to develop this program under Gilly for you know, 28 years. You know, coming off of two straight losses, one to Southern Miss on Sunday, 15-7, to and then Tuesday night against Wake Forest, 11-1 to in, in seven innings. How, how fired up is this Coastal team to get back on, on the baseball field and, and redeem themselves a little bit? There's a lot of excitement right now uh, because of the fact that we haven't been here, uh, because of the fact that I, along with some of the other coaches that have been here, have kind of, you know, not warned, but have, uh, you know, let the fellows know that, hey, we're going to run into a place where, you know, they want to knock us around. Uh, they're looking up at us three games back in the standings, and, and, and they want to close that gap. Uh, if not, uh, you know, potentially if things go the way of the Cajuns this weekend, you know, with a, with a sweep, I don't necessarily want to see that happen, uh, that then all of a sudden there's a, you know, a tie for first place uh, with, uh, Louisiana in control of the tiebreaker there. So I, I think they understand there's a lot on the line. Uh, we haven't been in this situation much this year, in fact. We've only lost back-to-back games uh, twice leading up to Sunday and then this past Tuesday, and that was all the way back uh, in February. So we have lost two games in a row. Now three times this past week has been uh, that sort of uh, hurdle that I guess we can uh, – put to the top of the list as far as trying to uh, strive forward and push through it, given that we're on the road and we're going to go into a hostile environment, so to speak, uh, this weekend. It's going to be a great test. We haven't lost to a team twice in, in a year uh, in this season. Uh, you know, We've lost to 12 teams, uh, 12 different teams uh, throughout the course of this season. So it's been a real interesting year, and I think the guys, no doubt, are hungry to, to, to prove once again that they belong you know, right now in, in the top ten of the country and the top of the Sun Belt. Chatting with Joe Katz, the radio voice for Coastal Carolina. Talk to me about this pitching rotation. I know you mentioned a little bit earlier that pitching's kind of been up and down for you guys. It feels like pitching's been up and down for for really everybody this season. Um, but yeah, talk talk to me about the rotation that the Cajuns are going to see this weekend. Yeah, so we'll see uh, Matt Potok today. Uh, he's a sophomore. Uh, uh, great stuff. Um, he's one of our guys that actually probably, uh, and you, you rarely are going to hear anyone ever say this, but the guy that probably throws too many strikes. Uh, he's in the zone 
uh, pretty much all the time. Sometimes that pitch uh, and uh, you know his stuff finds the middle of the plate, which uh, you know, you know, especially at the college and uh, you know the pro level, you, you find the middle of the plate no matter if you throw 95 or you know 75, uh, the ball's getting hit hard somewhere. So I think as he kind of navigates his way, he's a first year weekend starter. Uh, he's been trying to, I think, learn a little bit more about uh, the bulldog mentality uh, that goes along with being a Friday guy. He's got the stuff. I think it, as he progresses through the season uh, and the more he toughens up. Uh, I think he's going to be a guy to watch out for, uh, you know, through the next couple of years, and then obviously uh, when it's time to maybe you know tur- turn over over into a professional baseball player. If he will learn the uh, bulldog part of being a Friday Saturday type starter and can command, especially that inner half of the plate, the way he commands the strike zone, he's going to be a real good dude, uh, you know, it, for us in the next several years. And I, I would not be surprised if he goes you know, somewhere. You know, in the in the, uh, in the first couple rounds of uh, an MLB draft in a, in a few years, uh, our Saturday guy, again unproven, six eight freshman uh, right hander, uh, Jacob Morrison, who has been probably our most consistent starter this year. Uh, he's a great kid. He's a guy that obviously at six eight coming from Michigan, a uh, guy that could probably and did overpower a lot of his opponents at the high school level, but has worked throughout the course of the year to develop multiple pitches, and now he's become more of a four pitch guy. Uh, that's not just going to you know, throw it down the pipe with a 93, 94-mile-an-hour fastball and challenge guys to hit it. He can pitch around. He's a smart kid, and I think he's got a lot of upside. He's been healthy through the course of the year. And uh, like I said, this is going to be a great challenge for him. Every time he has been challenged, there's no doubt he's stepped up to the test. So I would expect nothing more uh, to that from him. And then on Sunday, I think it's kind of a, a mix-and-match sort of thing, depending on the way the weekend plays out, depending on how our availability uh, looks. Uh, it will depend on who gets that start on Sunday, uh, what the conditions are like. I know we play a very early game on Sunday. Not sure that's going to factor in anything as far as who we go with. It'll be, it'll be more uh, in tune with how this weekend plays out as to what we see on Sunday as far as the starting pitching is concerned. Now, w- one question I always love to ask when when you do when we do a behind enemy lines kind of thing is, mm-hmm. who are some guys like you know you look at the stats, you look at the roster, and there's names that jump out at you. Who are some guys that can produce for Coastal Carolina and Cajuns fans should become familiar with that maybe don't jump out at you? I would say uh, our two key returners from last year in the position, uh, uh, in, in, uh, position-wise, uh, Nick Lucky, he's been uh, he's our most veteran uh, latent guy in the starting lineup. Uh, he's had an up-and-down sort of season. I think he started really to turn it on once conference play got underway. Uh, he's got the... the Ability when he is streaking, and that's pretty much what he's been for us for the last number of years. Streaky sort of guy that uh, when you know, he's struggling, it's real hard for him to uh, pick up you know, anything and everything. Even though he may hit the ball well, uh, we all know in baseball, you know, when you're slumping, you can hit it right on the nose and you know find the glove somewhere. And that's kind of been his season altogether this year. But when he gets hot, I mean, he's got all American type potential. Potential. So you know, if, if he can swing the bat the way he's capable of this weekend. Uh, he's no doubt a guy that can change a game. And then the other returner is Graham Brown, uh, a guy who's nearing the single-season record for Coastal for doubles in a year. Uh, he hasn't performed the way he's capable of over the last uh, couple of games during this little slide, I guess, if you want to call it, dropping these back-to-back games. Uh, if he returns to form this weekend, it just adds so much more uh, to our lineup uh, that has been, as you have highlighted and as we know, has been really consistent this year. So if our two veteran guys can do what they need – need to do and are capable of doing, uh, we should be in store for a pretty good weekend uh, for us. 
First pitch tonight set for 6 o'clock from Russo Park, 4 o'clock tomorrow, and then bright and early, 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. Joe Katz, the radio voice for Coastal Carolina Baseball, joining us here on the Game Hotline. Joe, really appreciate your time. Have a great call this weekend, and uh, hopefully we'll see you down there at the Teague. Yeah, I look forward, as always, to a great time here. The people here in Louisiana and Cajun country, they always treat us well, even though in between the lines might be a lot of trash talking and good fun. Uh, but no doubt it should be a source of some great baseball this weekend, as always, when we come to Russo Park. So thanks for the time, man. And there he goes, Joe Catanacci, the radio voice for Coastal Carolina Baseball. We'll take a timeout here on Crunch Time. When we return, we'll wrap up hour number one and get you set for the Friday tradition known as Jake's Takes to kick off hour number two right here on the game. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. If you haven't seen the defending World Series champs in person yet, well, not to worry because the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with another Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Oakland Athletics on Saturday, May the 20th, and you can be there. All you got to do is register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and The Game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up at a goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Over the last couple of weeks, we have partnered with the University of Louisiana at Lafayette to get aspiring broadcasting students an internship opportunity over here at the game. And one of the interns is joining me now in the studio, Miss Avery Hopkins. Avery, really appreciate you taking the time. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? Doing well. I'm doing well. So walk me through, you know, what kind of got you into broadcasting? What got you interested in broadcasting? And not just broadcasting, but sports broadcasting. Well, I was raised by two parents who have been sports fans their whole entire lives. Grew up playing them. And growing up with them, they've always just, like, fed that to us. And I latched on to basketball when I was seven years old, played my whole life, really did not want to quit playing, but did not have the opportunity to play college. So being into sports, I knew I couldn't go to the next level. So sports broadcasting was something I've always been interested in because I want to be around sports the rest of my life. By the way, Avery scored 1,700 points in high school? 1749. 1749. <laughs> so definitely not somebody to mess with on a basketball court. But, you know, in, in sports, who are some of the teams that, that you root for? Obviously, you have a basketball background. You know, who are you rooting for in the NBA playoffs? Uh, Steph Curry all the way. Oh, a Warriors <laughs> fan. Warriors okay. Fan. So looking at you, your future, you mm-hmm. know, in, in sports broadcasting, is there a particular role that you would want to have in sports journalism? Really and truly, I want to be exactly what Erin Andrews is and do everything she does. She's my biggest role model, and that's who I look at, like, everything with sports broadcasting. Now, looking at, 
Erin Andrews and the job that she's done throughout her career, what about what she does stands out to you and makes her one of your role models in this business? Mm-hmm. Well, just her being on the sidelines reporting and growing relationships with those people is just something so cool to me, and I just want to do that. See, that's why they're going to pay her the big bucks one day. (laughs) Avery Hopkins joining us here on Crunch Time. Avery, really appreciate you taking the time. We've really enjoyed having you, and uh, good luck with the rest of your career. Thank you very much. I want to take the opportunity to thank Avery for all of her help over the last couple of weeks. Um, She's going to do big things in this business, and uh, we are very happy to help out once again, with, with UL and, and aspiring broadcasting students who have been hanging out with us over the last couple of weeks, getting some very, very valuable experience in the broadcasting field. Our number two, we're going to kick it off with Jake Crane, the host of Crane and Company. Plus, we'll talk more about the NFL draft and we'll get you set for LSU versus Alabama, Louisiana versus Coastal in baseball. Louisiana versus Coastal in softball and the McNeese Cowboys happening in Lake Charles this weekend. No, not in Lake Charles. They're in San Antonio. My apologies. I I had my weekends confused. But anyways, we'll take a time out here. Hour number one in the books. We'll kick off hour number two with Jake Crane right here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion. Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of Crunch Time is here on the game, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, the game hotline is 337 706 0111 as we are broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. In hour number one, we talked about Brian Brissy, the new New Orleans Saint. We looked at the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Now here in hour number two, we're going to talk a little bit more about the NFL draft, plus get you set for LSU versus Alabama with pregame set for 5.30 right here on The Game. Jake Crane, the host of Crane & Company, he joins us each and every Friday for Jake's Takes. Jake, really really appreciate you taking the time, brother. How are you? Man, I'm doing great. You know, like I usually say, if I'm talking to y'all, it's Friday, so good things are happening. And Friday afternoon at that. True that, true that. So let's look at last night's first round. I mean, no surprise that Bryce Young went number one, but then the Houston Texans kind of made some magic happen. Yeah, you know, when when they made that trade for that third pick, they didn't really give up, uh, you know, an inordinate amount. And, and getting C.J. Stroud taking care of the quarterback position or at least getting a guy that has a very good chance to turn out to be a great player. And I think Will Anderson Jr. may have been the safest bet in the whole draft. So, D'Amico Ryan's the new head coach, gets his defensive end, uh, linebacker, pass rusher, uh, guy that can can do a little bit of everything. I I said leading up to it, you know, I thought Will was the the guy that was the best at the most stuff defensively, and and that's always a guy you'd love to take. Uh, So I thought the Texans did a great job. Was there any pick, you know, in the top five, top ten, that that really just kind of made you scratch your head a little bit? Um. 
Um, you know, top five, I, I guess you could say Anthony Richardson. I really thought the Colts were going to take Will Levis. I, I do think Anthony has a better chance than Will, uh, and, and I know that Indianapolis wants to build around him. Uh, top five, not that much, but I mean, I, I'm just like everybody else. I, I don't understand what the Lions were doing at 12, getting Jameer Gibbs. That, that one doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Not that Jameer isn't going to be a good player, but the Lions defensively are just an absolute disaster right now. I was shocked by that pick. And then, of course, you know, we talked about the New Orleans Saints earlier in hour number one, but Brian Brissy, the defensive tackle out of Clemson, now coming to the Big Easy. What are your thoughts on Brissy and what he's going to bring to the Saints? Well, you know, if he can stay healthy, he's he's a really good player. And I, I'm never going to sit here and get upset about somebody drafting a defensive lineman from Clemson. You know, I'll throw Miles Murphy into that group as well. But Brian's a guy that, that's pretty dynamic. Uh, you can do a lot of things with him. He's not just a, a plug guy uh, that's that's going to beat a base block by stalemating. I think he gives you something in the pass rush, and, and he'll be a really good NFL player. And, uh, again, when uh, the game's won and lost up front, and, and that's where you make your biggest moves. Uh, I thought it was a good pick. Some people will argue you should have taken somebody on the offensive side of the ball, but uh, at the end of the day, I, I like the pick. Now looking at some other picks in the first round, Lucas Van Ness going to Green Bay, a pick that really stood out to me. How about Elijah Canty out of Pitt going to Tampa at 19? Yeah, man. I, I mean, even Witherspoon going that high. The DB from Illinois went, went at six. But, man, the Packers just won't draft skill players early. I, I don't get it. I mean, you got a brand-new quarterback who we don't know if he's going to be that good or not. He's probably not going to be Aaron Rodgers. That's unfair to ask him to be that guy. And you have nobody around him. Uh, I thought maybe they were going to go for a tight end, maybe get the Dalton Kincaid kid, maybe Mike Mayer, uh, you know, another security blanket for a young quarterback, or maybe a dynamic receiver. I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigbo was still there. Quentin Johnson was still there. Uh, that, that take shocked me. Not that, I, not that Van Ness isn't good. I don't think he's – you know, we got, what, three sacks in four years at Iowa? So uh, I, I don't know, man. I don't know what the Packers are doing either, to be honest. Now, cornerback, you know, we talked about Witherspoon going in, in the top 10. Emmanuel Forbes goes 16 to the Commanders, and Christian Gonzalez going 17 to New England. Of those three guys, which one do you think has the most potential in the NFL? Man, I think Emmanuel Forbes is an incredibly, you know, uh, not underrated because he got picked so high, but but I don't think he was getting talked about enough. Uh, it, it's one thing to be a lockdown corner. That's that's what he is. It's another thing to be really long and be able to move the way he does and have the ball skills that he does. I mean, he led the country in pick sixes. He's unbelievable and unbelievably instinctual, but he doesn't take bad risks. You know, you, you look at some guys that, that get cooked a lot or make the big play, they take all the risks. Some guys take bad risks. Some guys, very few of them, just take good risks, and Emmanuel takes good risks. So uh, I, I would take him, but I'm going to be honest with you, man. Joey Porter Jr. is up there, too. Uh, if the Steelers don't trade this first pick in the second round, I wouldn't be shocked if they got him. Tonight with the second and third round, what, what should the Saints do, in your opinion? Um, You know, look – do you guys trust Michael Thomas? Do you trust my? I mean, uh, Alave, he's, he's, gonna, he's a nice player. We know what he can do. He's got to be able to stay healthy. But I don't trust Michael Thomas. We know the situation with Alvin Kamara. Uh, I mean, you, you, I think you've got to get a couple weapons, right? I mean, I would like to see them get a couple weapons for sure. And, and to answer your Michael Thomas question, I would love to trust him. 
Um, well, yeah, and, but and that's I'm, not the question, though. Right, Thank right. You. That's great. Right. I would love to trust everybody. You know, I would I'm, love to trust what I hear on TV. You know, but at the end of the day, you know as well as I do. I mean, you you shouldn't. Right, and, and I'm trying to stay optimistic that that he's going to be healthier this year. But, I hope he is. But from what you've seen the last couple of years, you, you just never know. Um, I think they should go get some weapons, but I also think they should better the offensive line. Go get a guy like Osiris Torrance in the second round. Look, if you can get Osiris, to me, and and people think I'm crazy, because the tackles are the sexiest offensive linemen in the draft, obviously, right? That's who everybody wants. That's who everybody's talking about. But when it comes down to just who's the best, Osiris Torrance is up there, man. You guys know. I mean, he transferred from Lafayette to LS, or, uh, Lafayette to Florida, and he didn't let a guy touch the quarterback. Didn't let him to not, not get a sack. Not a pressure. They didn't touch him. I mean, it was like he had the the World War Z disease. So uh, I think pound for pound, he may be the best one. Now, will does Will Levis go tonight? Has to, right? The Raiders will take him. And look, I I I was shocked. I was shocked. Nobody reached for Will Levis because we've been talking about it on Crane and Company. Like I don't believe in him. He's got one pitch. It's the fastball. That doesn't work. That's not how this game's played at this level. It's nice to have it, but you've got to be able to throw other pitches well, and he just doesn't. So I almost feel a little bit vindicated, and who knows? Does I'm rooting for the guy. Does he put mayonnaise in his coffee? Yeah. Will I ever trust anybody that does that? No, but I'm rooting for the guy. The Raiders will take him. Watch. The, the, the mayonnaise in the coffee is disgusting. Like, I mean, like, for, for real, like, it's not even, like, funny. It's, like, not even cute. Right, like, that's, like, that's, man, that's just, just downright gross. gross. Yeah, it's, that's it's, just gross, and I don't want to watch gross mm, stuff. No, no. Um, NBA playoffs, Boston Celtics saved themselves last night. Uh, that, that, that series was a lot uglier than it needed to be. Yeah, it was, man. I mean, the Hawks made it weird. If Trey Young doesn't go one for forever in the second half, I think the Hawks win that game, and Boston's got to win a game seven. But, you know, the biggest thing is they didn't get time to rest. The Sixers have been over there getting, you know, those hot stone treatments and, and getting their feet rubbed on and getting right and ready, and, and they've been playing well. Joel Embiid, who didn't even play the last game because he spent most of the game before on the floor, uh, that was a big rest up for him. I'm telling you what, guys, with the Bucks out, if the Sixers, or if the Sixers can find a way to get past the Celtics, I mean, you're going to run into either the Heat or the Knicks, which that's not a walk in the park, but uh, their road to the finals got a lot easier. So I I, I like the Sixers, uh, but the Celtics, man, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, uh, I mean, you know, Malcolm Brogdon's playing at a high level. It's uh, it's a good situation. should be a hell of a series. What are you expecting from the NBA tonight with the Kings, Warriors, and then Grizzlies, Lakers? Man, every fiber in my being wants to pick the Kings. I want to do it. De'Aaron Fox has a broken finger. Uh, but, man, i got to go with Golden State. They know how to win. This is what they, they live for. They play a style that translates in the playoffs because all they do is run around the whole game. And if you've ever played basketball at any level or at the rec, nobody likes covering the guy that runs around the whole game and never stops. That's just who Steph and Clay are uh, and Jordan Poole, to be honest with you. Uh, with with the way Looney's able to dominate down low, the Kings have a great young core. I love Sabonis. I love Fox, Monk. I think Harrison Barnes has some good years left. They just don't have a true big. I mean, Jeremy Lins, again, he's just huge. Like, it's, it's that's why he's there. He's just huge, but he's not the most athletic. He's not very physical around the rim. That's why Looney had 22 boards the other night. So, 
Uh, I want to go with the Kings. I think they're here to stay, but I, I, I think the Warriors end this one. And then in a and world, then the, yeah, the Lakers. I think the Lakers win. Man, the, the Grizzlies are just too beat up. Going to baseball now, Jake. World Series rematch this weekend over in H Town between the Astros and the Phillies. What are your thoughts on that that series? Well, I hope the Astros beat them to sleep. That's what I hope. Um, look. I know the Astros started off a little rocky, but if you look at the numbers, they start off that way almost every year, and mm-hmm. then they just go absolutely nuts. They swept the Braves the other day, which, you know, doesn't doesn't make me feel good, and I really don't like talking about it. But, uh, yeah, uh, look, Philly's not what they were last year. Now, there's a long way to go. It's a marathon, not a sprint. I realize that. The Phillies got hot last year uh, in the playoffs and made that big run all the way to the World Series. Uh, but I think the Astros are going to handle business, and I hope they win by 1,000 runs. Jake, what be, uh, what picks are you making this weekend? Man, you know, look, uh, I, the Sixers line, I haven't seen it yet. I'm going heavy college baseball, all right? It's a, it's a new market. It's a new territory. Everybody's kind of, I think Vegas is still trying to figure it out. I parlayed LSU, Arkansas, South Carolina, and Tennessee tonight. I think I got that at like plus 367, something like that. Uh, I love it. Uh, Arkansas and Tennessee won last night. Both barely won. Uh, I, I don't trust Mississippi State's pitching staff uh, when it comes to the Tennessee series, and I just think Arkansas is better than A&M. And obviously LSU and South Carolina have been just absolutely embarrassing kids in front of their family and friends. Jake Crane, host of Crane & Company, joining us. You talked about college baseball. Louisiana's hosting sixth-ranked Coastal Carolina this weekend. Everybody remembers what the Chanticleers were able to do in 2016. Jake, I, I need some good juju on the Cajuns. Can they can they get the series win this weekend? It's baseball, man. Anything can happen. Uh, Coastal Carolina has obviously been the cream of the crop. Uh, that's what happens when when you you know you're able to win a national championship and and be in the Sun Belt at, at that high of a level, but it's baseball. The, the pitching's got to come through. You know, I I I don't like the Cajun, Raging Cajuns in a slugfest. Uh, you you know when when you look at the bullpen, that's where this game's going to be decided. Uh, so look, you know, I, I feel like the Cajuns deep down could they steal two out of three? Yeah. Uh, but look, one out of three, again, you know, nobody's super pissed about it. So, uh, yeah, I'll try and send some good juju your way. That's fair. Jake Crane, host of Crane & Company, joining us here for Jake's Takes. Jake, appreciate you as always. Enjoy the weekend. And uh, we'll do it again next week, my man. You guys, too. It's always fun. And there he goes, Jake Crane of Crane & Company. Once again, you can check his show out on YouTube and Daily Wire weekdays, 630 to 8 a.m. We'll take a timeout here when we return. James and I will talk about the weekend. Preview Louisiana, LSU, and McNeese, and then get you out to Alex Box with the voice of the Tigers, Chris Blair, right here on the game. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you tired of your boring man cave? Well, the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with the ultimate man cave makeover built by Lafayette Marble and Granite. Sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to win a brand new recliner from Borderlands Furniture, a flat screen TV from AVI, and more. It's the ultimate man cave makeover powered by Lafayette Marble and Granite and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. 
Mikas and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Mikas and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. 519, Matt Miguez, James Mesh getting set for the weekend. We'll start with LSU Alabama. They've got a three-game series at Alex Box that's going to kick off tonight at 6. They'll play tomorrow at 6, and then they'll play Sunday at 1 o'clock. LSU's coming into this game with a record of 32-8. and They're 12-5 and in the SEC. Meanwhile, Alabama 30-12, and and they're 9-9. and in conference play, LSU number four in RPI, Alabama number 21, and all three games will be streamed on the SEC network, and you can listen to them right here on the game. The Tigers have a one-and-a-half game lead over Arkansas in the SEC West. They could distance themselves a little bit by taking down the Crimson Tide this weekend. James, I'm going to say two out of three here. What is what is your thought? For LSU? Yeah. I'm going to go with a sweep. A sweep? Yeah, I'm going to go I'm going to go bold with this wow. one. Wow. Okay. Okay. Mhm. Sweeping a 30 and 12 baseball team. Yes sir. Look, I like it. I like it. Once again, pregame set for 5.30 with the voice of the Tigers, Chris Blair. We'll get you there in about 10 minutes. Moving on to the Cajuns now. They're hosting sixth-ranked Coastal Carolina. Earlier, you heard from Joe Catanacci this weekend, 6 o'clock for tonight's game, 4 o'clock for tomorrow, and then bright and early at 10 a.m. on Sunday. James, the Cajuns need two out of three. Can they get the sweep? You're not going to like this. You don't think they can? I think when it comes down to it, they're going to lose two out of three. Oh. Oh. I think they'll be close. I think it'll be competitive. But when you see the final out, I think the Chanticleers win two out of three. That hurts. Now, knowing my luck... They'll win tonight and like win Sunday, and then they end up winning two out of three. But my official prediction is Coastal Carolina wins two. So earlier you were asking me with this game, you were asking me who was going to pitch. Well, the batting lineup has come out. Cooper Rawls is going to be on the mound for the Cajuns, but if they follow the same approach that they have been the last couple of games, he'll probably only pitch two innings. Leadoff is Ben Robichaux. He'll be the DH. Kyle DeBarge batting second at short. Heath Hood third and center field. Connor Higgs is playing left field, and he'll bat fourth. Julian Brock bats fifth behind the dish. Carson Rockefort bats sixth at first base. John Taylor will bat seventh at second base. Will Vayon will be in right field and will bat eighth. And then Max Marshak will be the number nine hitter playing at third base. Meanwhile, for McNeese, they are in... San Antonio, Texas, for a weekend series with Incarnate Word. And actually, the first game has gone final. McNeese falls to Incarnate Word 8-7 to seven in Game 1. They'll be back tomorrow for Game 2 at 2 o'clock before Sunday rounds out the series with a 
one o'clock first pitch. Cajuns softball currently in Conway, South Carolina to play Coastal. Meanwhile, McNeese softball is playing Texas A&M Corpus Christi at Cowgirl Diamond this weekend, 6 o'clock tonight, and then a 1 and 3 p.m. doubleheader tomorrow at Joe Miller Field. It's going to be a great weekend of college baseball and softball. The NBA playoffs, again, we talked about with Jake a little bit. Kings and Warriors tonight. Does Stephen Curry move on? Or does De'Aaron Fox, with a broken finger, say, uh-uh, and force a Game 7? I'm, look at me, I'm Fox. Look at me. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Luca. For me, tonight, with the Warriors and the Kings, I think, with it being back at home for Golden State, they've won the last three, they have all the momentum. Golden State, the fact that they even got a game on the road with how putrid they've played on the road and their record being... What was it, 11 and 30? Yeah, so not great. I think the Warriors close it out tonight. I'm going you could, to. You can see Clay dropping 30, Steph, you know, casual like 24. You don't need too, too much from him, but I, I, got, I got the Warriors winning tonight and finishing out in game six. I will disagree with you. Ooh. I think the Warrior, I think the Kings force a game seven. Ooh. Um Mucho and Terrazante. And then game seven in Sacktown will be incredibly fun. Well at that point, who would you take then? I don't know. <laughs> Cause then then it's a battle of, you know, home court advantage versus playoff experience. Right. Which one looms large? I don't know. And when game seven, the fact the fact that you got to a game seven, it's practically a pick 'em anyway. Correct. Yeah, I I don't know who I would take in in that situation. And then the other game tonight, Memphis and L.A. It's in L.A. Do the Lakers finish it off tonight, or can Memphis figure out some sort of way to bring it back to Memphis? I think it was a really nice win in Game Five for the Grizzlies the other night. But tonight, I got the Lakers winning and finishing it out. I do, too. I do, too, as much as it hurts. Right, because it's like um, the the fact that you've gone from what the Lakers were the like, 13, 14 seed correct. early on the season. One, one of the worst teams in, in the league. They fight through it, and now they're the 7 seed. Or, yeah, the 7 seed, and they have the 3-2 to two lead. It's crazy. LeBron's still doing crazy things that – age 38 in year 20, but I mean, it kind of feels like the Grizzlies are imploding. At 7-10 tonight, a game that you can hear over on News Talk 98.5. The Astros and the Phillies in a World Series rematch. Aaron Nola versus Framber Valdez. James, does it get much better in terms of an Astros-Phillies pitching matchup? Thank you for reminding me, actually, about that. <laughs> I keep forgetting to look at my fantasy lineup. So I'm so glad you brought that up because I looked at it the other day just on a whim. I keep, because I keep forgetting I keep to look at it. Too. I was, well, now I'm in fifth, but I was in third yesterday. I was in third. Oh, I need to move my guys. I, have, I still have Freed on the bench. And, oh, quick golf update. Tony Finau leads the Mexico Open with a score of 13 under. 
through two rounds. Also, quickly, I mentioned UL's batting order against Coastal Carolina tonight. Here's LSU's batting order against Alabama. Gavin Dugas will lead off at second base. Trey Morgan will be in left field and bat second. Dylan Cruz will bat third in center field. Welcome back, Tommy White. He'll bat clean up and play third base. Cade Beloso will bat fifth at designated hitter. Sixth, Jordan Thompson will play shortstop. Jared Jones will, pay, will play first base and bat seventh. Braden Jobert in right field and will bat eighth. And Alex Malazzo behind the dish. He'll bat ninth. And then Paul Skeens is on the mound for the Fighting Tigers of LSU. Final conversation before it happens. With the 40th pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the New Orleans Saints select... Someone I don't want. (laughs) There it is. I think they go defense. I think the Saints select utter disappointment. (laughs) I think they're going to... The side of the football, I'm going to say they go defense. Oh, they're going to Osiris Torrance if he's there. You think so? If, If he's there, they're going to Osiris Torrance. If he's not there, I have seen a lot of people talk about Brian Branch out of Alabama. Yeah, which gets some youth to that safety position. You don't know how much left you got with. And he could play he could play either one. He could play safety or corner. So he's very versatile in the secondary. Because you're um, still skeptical of Marcus May. And you're also a little skeptical on Paulson Adebo as well. Right. So having a guy that could do either one might not be a bad thing. But uh, and then seventy one tonight. They don't need one. But the Saints select Zach Charbonnet, out of, the running back out of UCLA, at seventy one. Then we don't get Deuce Vaughn. That's my pick. Then you don't get Deuce Vaughn. Oh, this guy's so brokenhearted that oh, there dude. won't be that there won't be a five nine running back in New Orleans again. Dude, giving him five nine is so generous. Right, he's, he's five. Probably, he's, he's five five. Oh my God, 5'7 might even be generous. He's 5'5. Five five. Joe Catanazzi, appreciate you joining us for Talk, Talk Coastal versus Louisiana. And of course, Jake Crane for joining us each and every Friday. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, give a hug to your mom and them. Enjoy the draft weekend, enjoy the festival weekend. And we're back on Monday, 4 to 6, right here on the game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Now it's time to send it to Alex Box Stadium with the voice of the Tigers, Chris Blair, and the LSU Radio Network.